the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Not sure why, but this song always makes me think about leaving my harp in Sam Clam's disco. Something about my childhood joke sticking with me doesn't go away. Joining me now, Dr. Jeff Rosen, ChiefEconomistBriefing.com. Anything from your childhood that sticks with you, and it doesn't have to be cute like mine. It could be tied towards your first moment where you realized you are going to become an economist. The first moment I no that 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 uh, the first moment I wanted to be an economist, I told myself I was never going to take an econ class in my life. So, I think that uh, that was my my first thoughts on econ. <laughs> Why do they refer to it as the dismal science? Because uh, there's no such thing as a free lunch. That in the end, you know, everybody dies. It's just got a lot of you know negativity in the long run. So people just relate it back to as the dismal science. Okay. What are you seeing right now in the U.S. economy? Weakness, and it's the same thing I've been seeing, you know, since the end of the quarter. I, you know, came out saying that I didn't like the trends that uh, we saw in the second and, and, or sorry, the third and the fourth quarter. I didn't think those trends were going to carry over into the first, and uh, so far it seems to be right. Uh, you know, everyone wants to blame it on something, like, you know, right now the weather is, is the, uh, the the boogeyman that's causing all the problems but uh in reality i mean just the underlying trends in the economy are not strong so seeing a pullback in the first quarter you know makes sense with pullbacks don't they kind of sometimes just happen and we shouldn't make too much of them or is this one that you think again tells the story of a weak economy for the prolonged period uh, it's difficult to tell. I mean, what we've been seeing over the last few years is that, you know, you have a strong second half of the year, and then you have a weak, you know, first half of the next year. So, you know, I don't want to say, you know, this is what we're going to have for the next four quarters, but, you know, what we're seeing is a, is a cyclical pattern where, you know, the numbers are coming in the first quarter and probably in the beginning of the second quarter are going to look fairly weak, and then you get some notable pickup, and I don't know if that's due to poor seasonal adjustments, you know, and that could be, you know, stemming from, uh, you know, the Great Recession having, uh, causing problems in the way you, you calculate those seasonal adjustments, but we're seeing these cyclical movements, these seasonal movements, and it's making, uh, you know, the trends all screwy. Today we saw housing starts come out, and again, the polar vortex is to blame. Um, housing starts and permits declined sharply in January. It probably doesn't mean that housing's dead, but it certainly ties into the weaker economy theory, weaker economy story. Uh, what did you see the housing start numbers today, Dr. Rosen? 
Um, I didn't think the weather was as much of a factor, at least in the underlying details, as you know the headline analysts wanted to make it out to be. I mean, realistically, you saw a huge drop in starts in the Midwest, and living in Chicago, that made sense. I mean, we had extreme cold temperatures for almost the entire month of January, so I can understand why there was no uh, groundbreaking at that point. But you had you know, winter weather in the Northeast, and you saw, you know, a 70% or 60% increase in starts in the Northeast, so obviously it didn't affect that. In the South, you had uh, a huge drop in starts. You know, you had some winter weather, but it wasn't like, you know, constant, you know, freezing where you couldn't break ground like you had in the Midwest and the South. I mean, you had a you know, a couple of days with ice storms, but realistically that shouldn't have blown out uh, the starts number there. And then out west you had weakness. And, you know, again, you guys are seeing droughts. I don't see how, um, you know, drought conditions would prevent you from, from building. You know, to me that seems to be more of economic weakness. So when you take it all together, you know, we had 880,000 starts, which just happened to be the average that we had from um, – I believe April through October in 2013. So substitute out those last two months of really strong uh, starts numbers that we had in November and December, the numbers that made everybody go, wow, everything is getting better and, and is one of the catalysts for uh, you know, the increase in growth trends in, in predictions for 2014. You know, excluding that, we're right at the average. So you can make the argument that you know, we had – you know, a shock in the Northeast that offset the shock in the Midwest, and realistically, the the starts number fell back into its long-term historical trend. Anything else that you're looking at in the economy? Um, manufacturing numbers came out today. Anything there that tells a story? Um, I, I don't really look at survey numbers. We really didn't have any good. Um, new hard data. I mean, the industrial production data that came out last week was weak, and one of my concerns we saw was uh, more blame on the weather, and yet if you, you dig into the details again, you get some, you know, scary, you know, looking data. You, you, the auto assembly's number was extremely weak, and I don't see how uh, cold weather in in Michigan, let's say, is going to make car manufacturers stop production. But if you look at inventory levels, you had massive inventory gains over the last couple months, you know, and the sales just haven't been there to support those inventories. So it was natural to see a reduction in uh, motor vehicle assemblies that you would relate to a business decision as opposed to, you know, weather-related uh, shock. So, you know, everything we're seeing, you know, you're getting a blame of weather, but it if I look at it closely, I, I don't see the weather being that much of a factor. Can we blame Putin? <laughs> we could blame lots of things. Uh, you could blame everything. I mean, realistically, it's the cyclical trend that we've been seeing, or the seasonal trend, I should probably say. You know, we get a good second half followed by a slow first half, and I, and I don't see that changing, and I don't see any of the data coming in suggesting that's changing. I saw an interesting article this morning on... Teenagers and how they're spurning working at school, or they're, they're, they're not working, they're taking college seriously. Um, and it kind of made me a little bit sad, because I, I remember working, doing dishes, doing I, I did everything as a teenager. Um, but that's also where I learned to love, that's where I learned work skills, that's where I learned be on time. Um, any commentary on the three times as high unemployment rate for teenagers versus what you and I were at when we were younger? 
I mean, it makes sense because you know, people want to hire someone that's going to take the job for you know at least a little bit longer time period. You know, especially those first-time jobs or those menial jobs that teenagers typically uh, typically filled. You know, retail and food service and stuff. So if you're going to hire someone, you know, that may be there a little bit longer, which teenagers generally don't don't take for a long period of time, you, you would take that. So you have. Plus, the fact that you know a lot of the older uh, people that don't have jobs that are willing to take those jobs, you know, have more experience or, or you know could work a little bit better or have more productivity than a typical teenager. So the the teenager is the one that gets left out, and that, that makes sense. And you know, typically during a recession, you see uh, teenage unemployment go up, and you typically see a big drop in the labor force participation rate in teenagers as they do go to school because the uh, you know the trade-off of of the wages that you would have lost for going to school is um, is lower because there's higher risk of unemployment. So all those trends make sense, and, and it's a you know a specific and, and theoretical good reason why uh, the teenage unemployment rate is where it is, and, and why the uh, participation rate's falling, and you're seeing more people go to college. I love that earlier in this segment you said you don't really pay attention to surveys. It kind of gave you that economist snob angle. I'm speaking with Dr. Jeff Rosen, uh, ChiefEconomistBriefing.com. Last couple minutes, anything that you need us to pay attention to that you see out there that's economically relevant? Uh, BLS came out with their new PPI report today. Uh, They completely changed the methodology and the design of the report. So the PPI numbers are more closely related to what businesses, not just manufacturing businesses, but all businesses are seeing in terms of price changes, which is quite interesting. I think that they said that uh, about 75% of the um, of all production, and that includes service production, government production, um, trade production, and whatnot, is now incorporated in this PPI index. So I'm as a wonk, uh, I'm liking to go through all this and see how it relates to what the BEA puts out in their GDP reports, how do their um, their price indices match up with this new BLS price index and, and see how it, it affects um, or how it correlates to consumption trends and whatnot. We have about a minute. You brought up PPI. Tell our listeners why we should care about PPI. What is it and what does it mean? Well, I would have told you last week not to care about PPI at all. It's okay. it's a producer price index, and the majority of the, consum- the consumption is not – uh, at domestically produced goods. So it didn't have much of a correlation with consumption trends. But with this new index, you know, we're, it's supposed to be more closely tied to CPI. And you're seeing that if you, if you graph it out, the energy spike shocks that you would normally throw the PPI in, in, into a, uh, a TISWAD, you, you don't get that anymore. It's much more muted. The trends are much closer to consumption. So if you're looking to see how consumption is a few days, sometimes before the CPI is released, this, this report will uh, hopefully provide a little bit better you know, or more adequate uh, representation of that. Thanks very much. It's Dr. Jeff Rosen, ChiefEconomistBriefing.com. Seriously, I could listen to him talk for at least five more minutes, if not 15 more minutes. The economy, <clears throat> excuse me, um, the economy, <clears throat> it's, it's a weird science that it's not quite science. There's a bit of an art to it. The f- translation into the stock market, I think, is important to note. Um, it's not the easiest thing for most people to parallel and put together a story out of. You know, sometimes you see weak jobs numbers, and it's a good thing for the stock market. 
Sometimes you see strong jobs numbers, and it's a good thing for the stock market. And sometimes the total reverse is true on both. So you always got to get it in some sort of context and some sort of texture. I think Dr. Jeff Rosen does a nice job of doing that for us. We've got an event coming up in Pleasanton a couple Thursdays from now. It is an income and retirement event. You can learn more about it at robblack.com. Stocks are higher, S&P 500 index. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.